Praise be uh, your name, our living hope. We want to we praise you today. We want to focus on you today, our living hope, the one who set us free. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave us every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. We, we love you. We want, to, uh, we want to exclaim that. We want to worship you, and we want to praise you. I pray that we could do that a little bit more and a little bit better today. Praise you, and we, and we thank you in your son's name. Amen. Please have a seat. Welcome to a very comfortable church in a barn today. It's a beautiful, stinking day today. I heard we've only had five dry, dry days in April, so this makes six, I guess. Happy to have it. Is it May 1st today? Oh, we missed it. Only five in April. Listen, if we want to praise God, we got to know God. And the more you know God, the more you will be able to praise him. That's what Paul, the Apostle Paul, is getting at in this scripture. I don't know if you caught it when Audrey read it. But Paul starts out, this is verses 3 through 14 is one run-on sentence. He doesn't stop, he doesn't pause for air, and he starts it like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's just the first part. I feel like he, he is writing this at the top of his lungs, if you could do that. He's freaking out. He, he's about to write this letter to his buddies in Ephesus, the Ephesians. He's about to tell them all about who God is, who, who he has discovered uh, God to be. And as he, just as he's just getting started, he's erupting in praise. Praise be. The, the, the section we're reading, this is the ESV we read out of, the English Standard Version. It says, blessed be. But the NIV says, praise be. I'm, I keep saying praise be because I'm familiar with that one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is freaking out and he is showing us the more you know about God, the more you will praise God. And the same is true for us. The more we consider, the more we discover, the more that we reflect, the more that we dwell, the more that we marinate in the knowledge of God, the more praiseworthy our faith will be. It's a little like cooking a brisket. Okay, when you cook a brisket, I don't know if you've cooked a brisket, but you gotta, you gotta let that sucker smoke for a really long time. Like 12 hours. Is that how long you're cooking yours for? Tw like 12 to 14 hours. Jesse's doing a dinner's for 10 tonight, and he's cooking brisket. He won up my dinner's for 10. I cooked my first brisket. Um, this whole sermon's not about brisket, but let's, it's almost lunchtime, so let's talk about meat. Let's use a meat metaphor, a metaphor. I cooked my first brisket. I turned 40 a couple of, it's like a dad joke or something right there. Sorry. I turned 40 a couple years ago, and um, I was like, you know what? I'm an adult now. I'm a man, and I've never cooked a brisket. I am cooking a brisket for myself. So this was exactly two years ago. My birthday's in a couple weeks. 
Uh, so two years ago, it was 2020. It was May of 2020. I was turning 40. I hadn't seen anybody for a while. Like, I think I had gone to my brother's house one time in the previous two months or something or a month and a half. And I'm like, screw it. I'm inviting everybody. We're having a party. You want to come? Let's do this. Like, I'm, I'm ready to, to kick off this COVID thing. This is actually funny. I took a picture of my son. I put him in a party hat, you know, and then I put a party hat on his mouth. And texted it to everybody, and I said, I'm having a party. You can come. Party hats and party masks will be, uh, will be provided. I thought that was really funny. So anyway, so I, so I get this giant hunk of meat, right? This was the fatted calf. It's like a 20-pound brisket. And I had never done it before, and I'm like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. So the day before, I take this brisket, and I, of course, watch some videos on how to cook a brisket, which is what we do now when we don't know how to do something. Uh, and the first video I watched, the guy's like, hey, I'm going to help you cook this brisket. Uh, don't worry. I'm going to walk you through it. It's going to be fine. It's kind of technical, but, you know, just follow my instructions and you should be fine. I just wouldn't, like, invite a bunch of people over for your first brisket just in case it doesn't go well. I'm like, dang, this is not starting off great. But I followed his directions. I seasoned it. I, uh, you know, took the temps down. When do you keep it on? What temperature do you cook it at? What temperature do you take it off and wrap it, and then you put it back on, and what temperature do you go to, and like we were, we were saying a second ago, it's like a 12-hour process, so I get up in the morning, I put it on the trigger, and um, you know, let it do its thing, kind of worried, you know, I'm nervous, got a bunch of people coming over, I don't know what I'm doing, this is the big main meal, and um, you know, like, I don't know, eight or ten hours in, it's only like at 160. It's like stalled out at 160, and I'm starting to get nervous, like, okay, it needs to pick up the pace, I think. So I call my brother, Matt, and he's cooked several briskets. I'm like, hey, man, I, 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 I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm nervous. I'm, this isn't going well. And he's like, hey, leave it on. Just let it smoke. You just got to leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't pull it off. It won't be as good. So I leave it on. Couple more hours, the temperature does start to rise, but I'm at 12 hours. Like, I've never cooked anything for 12 hours long. And so I'm nervous this is turning into jerky, but I've got it wrapped in foil now, so I, you can't see it. And I don't want to poke holes all over it. I don't want the juices to run out. So I call Matt back, like, hey, we're only like 190. I'm trying to go to 205. And, uh, you know, he's like, leave it on. You got to let it smoke. Don't take it off. It won't be as good. So I go 13 hours. And then I'm getting close to 14 hours, and finally it gets to the temperature, and I pull it off and put it in a, you know, a cooler or a warmer or whatever, uh, wrap it up, and I wait for people to come over. And I'm just a nervous wreck. I don't know why, but I was just nervous. This thing was going to be jerky. I was envisioning, is it National Lampoon's, the Christmas with Chevy Chase? You remember when they cut into the turkey, and it's like poof, and it just like deflates? This is what I was expecting my brisket to do when I opened it up. Uh, but of course, people come over, we open it up, slight, you know, separate the point from the flat, I think, uh, cut into it, and it's amazing. I get a, I get a bite, uh, and then I turn around and start hugging people as they're coming in. This is like this great moment, you know, and I turn around, and it's gone. Like, they, everybody just, like, wolfed this thing down, which was good. That's what I wanted. I wanted to make good brisket. Um, but our faith, let me try to get back to our faith. Our faith, Christianity, is like a brisket. <laughs> Come on, you can, you can track with me here. This is a, lo a longer story than I anticipated. Too many details. Our faith 
is like a brisket. We've got to marinate in the knowledge of God. We've got to learn more about God. We've got to dive in and consider who he is and dwell on what he's done and, and, and reflect on how great he is. And if we take it off too early, if we say, all right, I got it, life, death, resurrection of Jesus, we're good, I got what I need, that's taking it off early, we're going to have half-baked Christianity. We're going to have something that's not praiseworthy. We've got to leave it on. That's what Paul is doing here. The entire book of Ephesians is Paul working out for us some deep spiritual truths. It's theology. It's not just for, for Bible nerds. It's for all of us. And the more we, the more we look into it, the more we, the more we consider it, the more that we, we let it marinate, the more we're going to praise God. I'm telling you, this is, this is what Paul uh, this is what Paul is, is leading us to. This is also encouraging for some of us because conversion, like the beginning of our faith, is cool. This is what we're here for. We want to see people come to know Jesus. That's exciting when people say, ah, what I'm doing is not working. I see what you're doing, and I want a piece of that. And so they believe, and, and, and life starts to change, and they get baptized. Like, that's amazing. But most of us are not new Christians. We've been Christians for a little while. This should be encouraging to us, that the best part of your faith is not the beginning, and then it kind of just dies down after that. The, the life of a Christian, it's continually getting better. The more that you dig in, the more that you understand how good God is, the more that you understand who God is, the more that you understand what he's done for us and where he's doing it. These are the things that will, will cause us to erupt in praise like Paul. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That's what we're after as a church. And those are our three points, coincidentally. Who God is, what he's done, and where he's doing it. We've got 14, no, 11 verses that we're going to go through. Today we're just starting with one, though. And we're going to work through these same verses over the next several weeks because there's some deep stuff in here. I'm taking the first verse. This is verse 3. We'll reference some others here in a few minutes. Uh, but we're going to rely on Martin Lloyd-Jones. I don't know if you guys know who that is. He's this English preacher from the 50s. And he, he calls Ephesians the crown jewel of the, of the New Testament. He had three sermons just on this first verse. <laughs> Just on verse 3. And they were all epic. I mean, they're so good. I loved listening to this guy this week. But he could pull some incredible stuff out of, these, um, out of this one verse that we're going to talk about. He says that we are obsessed. We have a morbid self-obsession. We are constantly thinking about our own moods, our own circumstances, our own situations. And we could talk for hours, couldn't we, about what's not going right, what we're unhappy with, what we're ticked off about, what we're outraged about. We could just go on and on and on. We have this morbid self-obsession. But today, let's take a break from that. Let's take the focus off ourselves and let's instead focus on the almighty God. That's what we're doing. We're going to start with who he is. If we look at this verse, chapter 3, I mean uh, verse 3 in chapter 1, 
He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What do we learn about that right off the bat? He mentions all three parts of the Trinity. We worship a triune God in three different parts. Blessed be the God and Father, that's the first one, of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's the Son, who has blessed us in Christ, there's the Son again, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Where do the spiritual blessings come from? The Holy Spirit. There's three. In that order. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Did you know they, they have to be in order? I didn't know that. I was just hearing that this week. That's how they're always referenced. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's a particular order. We praise the Father in and through the Son by the Holy Spirit. They're in order, and they each have their own distinct and separate roles to play. They're separate, and they're one. Just a little mind bender there. God the Father's role is the pl- he makes the plan. They got together, I should say, a long time ago. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And they sat down, I, maybe they sat down and, and, and delegated who's going to do what? Who's going to accomplish the, uh, uh, the, the mission of salvation here? God the Father does the planning. When did this plan take place? When did this happen? If we look in verse 4. It gives us a little hint. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's when this meeting took place. God the Father is planning everything. Designing everything. He's writing the story. And he's delegating the different roles to the different persons of who God is. He delegates the work of the cross to the son. That's the son's role. He lives. He dies. He rises again and he ascends into heaven. And what's the Spirit's role? The Holy Spirit's role is to stay behind after Jesus ascends into heaven, to live in each one of us and to help us, to compel us to make different decisions, to live differently, and to desire the spiritual blessings that we're referencing in this one verse. So who is God? He's three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is leading us to desire the spiritual blessings, which is the next part. That's what God has done. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But before we get to that part, one more minute on who God is. He's not only three different persons. He's one almighty God. And he deserves our respect. He deserves our honor. And he deserves our praise. When we address God, the Almighty God, like this goes back to the more we know about God, the more we will will, um, appreciate him, the more we'll praise him, the more we know about him, how great he is, he's the Almighty God, we will address him differently. We will not just run to the blessings that God can provide, but Martin Lloyd-Jones says a wise person understands the blessor is more important than the blessing. God is not like a bartender who will fill up our blessings, right? Like, hey, God, can I get another one of these? Do you mind if that one wasn't great? Can I get a different one, actually? I, I hate to say this. This is how I treat God. 
I'm discovering that over the last few days as, I, as I'm listening to what Martin Lloyd-Jones is saying. I'm discovering like when I pray and say, God, I need you for this, that, and the other thing. God, I, God, I, I, need, uh, I, I want this, that, and the other thing. Like I'm, I rush off to the blessing. I'm forgetting who I talk to, who I, am, who I am addressing. So now when I pray over the last few days, I keep catching myself. God, I need your, hold on a second. God, let me praise you for a second because you're amazing. Praise you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I keep repeating this in my prayers. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are everything. You are the only reason I'm upright. You're the only reason I have breath in my lungs. You're the creator. You're the designer. You're, you're you know, hallowed be your name. You know, like the, the Lord's Prayer. Holy is your name. Righteous is your name. Like, this is how we address God. This is who he is. We need to pay him respect, do we not? Instead of just being a purveyor of goods and services. If you want to praise God, you got to know God. And to know God, we start with who he is. He's three persons, separate roles, but he's one almighty God that deserves our respect. But that's not it. we got to let it smoke a little longer. we got to marinate a little more in the knowledge of God. And the next one, knowing who God is, knowing what he's done, is where we're going. The next part of this verse, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's what God has done. He's blessed us. And it's already done. He has blessed us. We're not waiting for the blessing. As believers, we have the blessing. It's available to us already. And it's every spiritual blessing. It's everything we need. It's all that we need. And Paul's about to list those spiritual blessings for us. He's got three in, in succession that we're going to get to in just a second. But before we get to that. Let me ask you something. Do you care about the spiritual blessing? Do we want a spiritual blessing? What, what good is a spiritual blessing? It's just like uh, on my deathbed, I will receive total consciousness. What, what is a spiritual blessing? Is this, like, is this like pie in the sky, like, oh, someday, sometime, you know, whatever. Do we care about the spiritual blessing? Do you know what the Bible says? We don't. We don't care about it. No one is righteous. No one seeks after God. Do you know what we care about? We care about the physical blessing. We care about the material blessing. We care about the financial blessing. Give me something I can sink my teeth into, God. Give me something that will get me out of this jam, that can get me out of this trouble. Give me the... Uh, Money, sex, and power that I want. Give me the uh, health, wealth, and happiness that I desire. Give me the live and the laugh and the love that we talked about on Easter. These are the blessings that, that we get excited about. Give, give, me the, give me the worldly blessings. That's what I'm interested in. So how do we come to care? If we don't care about the spiritual blessings, how do we end up desiring 
is spiritual blessing. It's through the Holy Spirit, like we mentioned earlier. The Holy Spirit, his role is to come and live inside of us and change our desires, change what we want, change what we're after. So we don't desire to the same degree the material and the physical. That's the only way that we care about these spiritual blessings. Side note on that, we can't convince anyone to become a Christian. You can't argue someone into faith. Did you know that? They can only come to faith, we only come to faith through the work of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, changing our hearts and wanting something different. So should we be arguing with people about faith? Feels kind of like a waste of time to me. I mean, if you're called to go argue with people, like, I guess go for it. See, you know, see what you can do. You know who we're looking for at Outward? We're looking for the people that have gone down their own path and come to a dead end. We're looking for people that have tried the physical, the material, the financial blessings, the live, laugh, love, whatever it is. They've come to a dead end and they've realized, uh, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not fulfilling. This is not satisfying. I want to try something different. I'm open to whatever. And they come to you or they come to the church or they come to your dinner table or whatever. And they're like, what do you got? You got something that works because what I've done doesn't work. That's the Holy Spirit sometimes working inside of them, softening their heart, being open to something like a spiritual blessing. That's who we're looking for because that's how, that's how it works. I don't want to debate someone into faith. I, we won't be able to unless the Holy Spirit's in there before, working, working on them, changing their desires. So what... What about you guys? Do you guys care about the spiritual blessing? Is the Holy Spirit inside of you guys making you desire the spiritual blessing? Let's find out. Let's list these spiritual blessings. And you, and you can decide if these are interesting to you. Paul gives us three and I'm going to read through some of the same stuff that Audrey just read um, because it tees up the next few weeks. We're going to take each one of these over the next few weeks and dig into them because they're so deep. The first one is that we are chosen for adoption into God's family. Let me read verses 4 through 6. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the, are you ready? He's going to pray, he's about to praise God again. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Paul just doesn't start with praising God, he's praising God all the way through it. Every time he gives us another spiritual blessing, he's, he's praising God for these incredible spiritual blessings. Chosen for adoption. That means before the foundation of the world, God considered you and God considered me. He saw us in our miserable state uh, with our morbid self-obsession, uh, pursuing physical and material blessings. And he adopted us out of that ridiculous family into his family. I'm sure your family is great. I don't mean to, to, uh, 
talk trash about your family, but the family, the sinful generation that we're a part of. God wants to adopt us out of that into his marvelous, wonderful family. That's the first spiritual truth. We're chosen for adoption. The next one is we are redeemed and forgiven. Let me read now verse 7 through 12. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained the inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the, ready, praise to his glory. There he goes again, praising God because of another spiritual blessing that's available to us. We are redeemed and we are forgiven in and through the blood of Jesus Christ. To the praise of his glory. Praise God for that. We are not just sinners forgiven. We are not just, just forgiven. Okay, if you talk about this in, in financial terms, we are not just, uh, our debts have not just been forgiven. We're not going from a negative balance to a like break even. Okay, we're, we've been zeroed out here. We have been forgiven. Our debts have been forgiven, but we've been adopted into this incredibly rich family, like Elon Musk's family. Like, I get bored and I don't buy a pickup. I buy a social media company, Twitter, this week. This is like being adopted into God's family, except for, for way better, infinitely better. We went from a negative balance our debts have been forgiven. Now we've been, we've been adopted into this, this filthy rich family and we've been guaranteed an inheritance. How much would you get if you were the heir of Elon Musk? Oh my gosh. It's infinitely more than that. That's the third spiritual truth. The first one was we're chosen for adoption. The second one is we're redeemed and forgiven. The second one is we have an inheritance that is guaranteed. That's the G word. I can't use that as a financial advisor. Typically, we can never say guaranteed. We get in trouble for that. But in this case, we can, we're guaranteed the inheritance. Let me read 13 and 14. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Are you ready? To the praise of his glory. There he goes again. Still praising God. Do you want to praise God? You got to know who he is. Who is he? He's three parts. He's one God in three parts. He is the almighty God that deserves our respect. And he deserves our reverence. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. But he's three parts. He's God the Father who has chosen us for adoption. Remember, that was his role in his plan from the beginning. He chose us for adoption. He's God the Son who redeems and forgives us through his blood on the cross. And he is the Holy Spirit that seals us and guarantees our inheritance in heaven someday. That's who he is. That's what he's done. But that's not the end of it. We got another one. 
who he is, what he's done, and where he's doing it. The last part of this tiny little verse is in the heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does that mean? Where is Jesus? His role was to come from heaven to earth as a helpless baby, to live, to die, to be risen again, then to ascend back to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. That's what it says in verse 20 of the first chapter of Ephesians. Uh, it says, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul says that the heavenly places, uses that term again, you know, whatever, 15 verses later. Jesus is in the heavenly places. Where are we? We're in a barn. I mean, a sweet barn. It's pretty cool, but it's a barn. We are not in heaven. But are we? Are we not in heaven? Are, are we in heaven or, or are we in a barn? Because he said like 10 times, we are in Christ. We are in him. If we are in Christ and Christ is in heaven, what does that mean? What, where, where are we? Are we in a barn or are we in heaven? This speaks, this, this message that Paul is talking about, what the gospel talks about. We have two natures. We have a, a worldly nature. We've got a body that's stuck here in this beautiful barn. But we've got, another, we've got another nature. We've got a spirit that is in heaven. We're in Christ, in heaven. We're in two places at the same time. We're not just here. Just waiting to go to heaven. We're already there. We've got a little piece of that inheritance that's coming, that big inheritance. We've got the deposit. We've got the down payment through the Holy Spirit. What, what, is, that, what is that like? What does that mean? What is it in heaven? He says in that, in, in verse 21, he says that uh, Jesus is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In heaven, he is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. It's infinite joy in heaven that we already have access to even though we're stuck our bodies are stuck here heaven is our permanent home heaven will be our eternal home but it's kind of hard to describe because I've never been there and I think it's kind of hard for Paul to describe because he's never been there in fact in in chapter 3 verse 18 he's he's praying that these Ephesians would have uh, spiritual strength and he says I pray that you would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God Paul I feel like just gave up there he said ah just surpasses knowledge I I can't really describe it to you. I can't tell you exactly what it's like. I've never actually been there, but it's stinking amazing. It's, in, it's incredible. It surpasses knowledge. 
That is the peace that we have, the, the, the nature, the, the part of us, the spirit, our faith that is in Christ, which is in heaven, has access to this, to this love which surpasses knowledge. This is why we need to stop and consider and wonder and reflect and dwell on who God is. The more we consider this, the better it gets. It's like, like we're, we're digging in, we're going deeper, and we're, and we're uncovering new truths and new love uh, it, it, it ways that Jesus loves us, that God loves us. And it is far above the world that we live in, that nature that's in heaven. We sit above the world. This is our secret weapon as Christians. We don't have to freak out about the things that freak us out anymore. The world is not that important to us. It is still important. It is still a deal. It's just not as big a deal. God made this world. God made all of us. This is important stuff. The world. We aren't supposed to run from it. We're not supposed to hide from it. We don't freak out about it. But we sit above it and we look down on the world. We gaze in heaven at Christ and we glance at the world. That's the attitude we should be taking. But what do we do instead? We gaze at the world. We look down on the world as if this is all there is. And we freak out about whatever. Health, wealth, and happiness, money, sex, and power, politics, and economics, and all these things that, that freak us out. I got a couple ways to describe this, okay? This is like, I was talking to Matt last night. We are trying to figure out, how do we describe this? Some of this is like indescribable. I can't, I can't describe a heaven for people. I don't know. But it would be a little bit like us walking into the Vatican, walking into the... Uh, um, Sistine Chapel, right? And we walk in with our heads down. And we're like, wow, these cobblestones are incredible. These bricks are really interesting. And Paul is trying to get us to look up. That's where the beauty is in the Sistine Chapel. It's on the ceiling. It's like, why are you looking down? Look up at the greatest art like in the world. that Michelangelo, I think, took several years to paint. Why are you looking down? Look up. But we're like, man, these bricks, wow. They're all the same size. These cobblestones are really interesting. And we just miss the beauty of the ceiling and what's far beyond that, the infinite joy in, in heaven. C.S. Lewis has a quote, too, that I'm going to try to find. I forgot to, I forgot to pull this up. Give me a second. He says it like this in, in The Weight of Glory. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, but because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. We're too interested in making, I don't know, mud, mud pies, mud, mud castles. And we're not excited about the vacation on the cruise or whatever. We're too easily pleased. We're too easily swayed by the things of the world. It has too strong of a hold on us. We're too focused on that. 
We need to be more focused on God. We need to be more focused on the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. The last little example of this, Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is like October of 1953. He says in one of his sermons, he says he wrote, read in the newspaper that three ministers were appealing to the school board or the school council. They were, they were appealing to the school council that they should be able to lecture children on the disadvantages of drinking so that they could end the problem of drunkenness in, in that area. And Martin Lloyd-Jones is like, is that what we're reducing the message of the gospel to? To a lecture about the disadvantages of drinking? Like, is that, is that what we're doing now? As if that's going to keep people from drinking? He says, if that was the case, no doctors would ever drink because they would all know the disadvantages of drinking. And that doesn't happen. What are we reducing the message of the gospel to? That, he also says that's a pathetic reversal of the gospel. We're reducing it down from this amazing, infinite joy, this every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, to a morality lesson. That's, that's, that's trying to solve a spiritual problem with a worldly solution. Like, oh, if you just made better decisions, if people just knew more, if we just educated them, they wouldn't be so sinful. It's not powerful enough, the message of morality and, and right living. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You're going to lose. We got a spiritual problem. We need a spiritual solution. We got a worldly problem. We need a heavenly solution. That's what we have here in this verse. We have a solution. It's praising God. It's praising God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to be a bunch of Christians who have a list of antis. I'm anti this, I'm anti that, and I'm anti the other. Like, like, it's a terrible marketing strategy. Like, come join us. We're against a bunch of stuff. That's not what you see typically. Uh, I think the uncola. You guys remember that? Like the uh, that was the marketing strategy. We're not a cola. I forget. I forget. Uh, was it Seven Up? Yeah, they were using that strategy. That's not the one that we want to use. We want to be for something. We want to be for God. We want to praise God. We want to praise God because, and we want to know God because the more we know about God, the more we will praise Him. That's the more powerful message. That will resolve the moral issue. That's what we need to communicate to the school board. That's what we need to communicate to the politicians. That's what we need to communicate to our kids. That's what we need to communicate to everyone. We praise God because of how incredible he is, who he is. He is three in one. He is this incredible God with three different parts, with three different rules. He's chosen us for adoption. He's redeemed and forgiven us. He's, he's uh, sealed us for an inheritance through the Holy Spirit. That's what he has done. That's the spiritual blessing that we have received. And we, and, and we receive something that has infinite joy. We have a, a, this inheritance that is in heaven somehow that we have access to. That way we don't have to deal with the worldly problems as much. They don't have to have such a strong grip on our hearts. This is the message of Ephesians. This is the message of, of verses 3 through 14. Three spiritual 
blessings, three deep spiritual truths that we're going to walk through. The more we understand these things, the more that we consider them, we dwell on them, the more that we reflect on them, the more we will praise God. The more we know about him, the more we will praise him. Stick around the next few weeks as we dig into this. I think it'll be, I think it'll be awesome. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we praise who you are. We praise what you've done. We praise where you're doing it. We praise you for the, the work that, you, that you've done in each one of our lives. Those of us that have come to know more about you, come to have our lives changed come to, to, to have the Holy Spirit change us and desire the spiritual blessings that's, that's inside of us, that, 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 um, that we now want and desire and, and need. We praise you because you're the creator, you're the designer, you're the planner. You've had everything in mind. Nothing surprises you. You wrote the story. You are an incredible, good Mighty God, holy is your name, the righteous one. God, we worship you today. We pray that we would worship you a little bit more. We would praise you a little bit more in the work that you're doing here and now. And we then ask you for the spiritual blessings. We pray that you would, that you would bless us. That we, would, that we would be compelled through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be compelled to, to desire and care about the fact that we're chosen for adoption into your family, that, that uh, we are redeemed and forgiven. And we've been sealed to an inheritance. We've been guaranteed this incredible inheritance through the, through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for the work that you've done in all of our lives. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's go to a time of communion now. We'll just have you jump up and, uh, and grab a cracker and grab some juice, and we'll talk you through communion in a second.